Sue, by moral and traditional standards, it is February, therefore it is Black History Month, people. Now, I got my views on Black History Month the older I get because Morgan Freeman said something in an interview that completely blew my fucking mind and kind of made me fall back off of the whole, you know, I, and, and I'm pretty sure I pissed some people off because every year now I'll post the same post when February comes and it says literally on February 1st, I always post I'm black every month. And it was just something that Morgan Freeman said uh, in an interview that really blew my fucking mind. And he was like, you know, how can you he basically said, how can you limit my history to one month? And I, I, I never heard anybody say that in my life. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, this man is absolutely right. He tells no tales. I think he is my father in a past life. But yeah, man. But uh, to say the least, you know, I ain't taking away from nothing. None of the history, none of the heritage, anything. It is Black History Month to say the least, y'all. So one of the things I want to do. First of all, before I get into this episode topic, what I want to do is I want to eliminate the stereotype right now. It, it it still happens, and I get pissed off when it happens. Sometimes I expect it. I'm pretty sure we all do, but I want to eliminate the stereotype with this episode when people say all black people die in horror movies, which could not be further from the motherfucking truth. Now, I'm, <laughs> I might get a little crazy in this episode, man, because I'm taking pride in this in a different way. Like, I know um, by horror movie standards... The token black guy exists and naturally when you see a black guy in a horror movie you know it's not going to end well for this dude and that's whether it be the killer you know whether it be you know uh, an accident like on some trey songs you know when he played ryan in the Texas chainsaw massacre 3d he didn't even die by the killer he died when the van flipped over and his neck got sliced open or something like that either way it doesn't look good when you see a black person in a horror movie but to get rid of the stereotype today i made a list i made a list and i made this list a long time ago before i even started this podcast on some real shit i'm not lying to y'all and i came up with 25 25 characters black horror movie characters whether these be theatrical releases whether they be straight to dvd doesn't matter nigga we made it that's all i'm gonna say but 25 horror movie black horror movie characters that actually survived in a horror movie yo because we we out here we really are out here don't get it twisted. I know that most of the time we don't survive. There's been times where, you know, you can have something like Leviathan where the, where Ernie Hudson li literally is the only black guy in this movie. Token black guy. He lives literally until the end of the movie. And then they just did a real cheap shot and just had the Leviathan monster just pop up and it just killed Ernie Hudson. And then Peter Weller blows the fucking thing up. Then the movie goes off. And I'm like, you could have just made him survive for all of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hate when they kill him at the very end. Or we have cases like Deep Blue Sea where, you know, you thought El Kuja, you thought it was a rap for him, but he survives. And he actually makes this list. Um, luckily enough, he made the list. But let me start because I have 25 here. I don't want to take up more time than I should. So my number one is actually is it, my number one character actor has a two for one special because he not only lived in one movie. Uh, where he was up against zombies, but he lived in another movie where he was up against a, a you know, a quote unquote maniac, uh, even though he's probably more than that. So that's why I said the quote unquote, because, you know, that, that character that I'm talking about is batshit crazy. But I'm talking about Ken Foray, my number one person on this list. Now, Ken Foray not only survived in Dawn of the Dead 1978 when he played Peter, he survived in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 where he played Benny. Now, Dawn of the Dead, I know things ended badly for Dwayne Jones' character, Ben, and that could have easily been the thing here, but instead of killing this character off, George A. Romero, you know, and I don't know if it was a last minute decision or what, but it looks like he's going to kill himself in the end of the movie. You know, he's the only one that has all the screws together. People are going insane. Galen Ross's character is pregnant. Uh, Flyboy's going crazy and beefing with his baby mama. Roger's gone. You know, his best friend is dead, but he manages to keep his shit together and still be the alpha dog. And, and the last minute decision for his character 
when he's about to kill himself, he decides that he wants to live and he he beats ass, you know, through a through a bunch of zombies and makes it on the helicopter with Galen Ross's character Fran and they they ride off into the sunset, literally ride off into sunset. So my man survived zombies. Kudos to that. Now when he survived Leatherface, this was definitely a last minute decision because he actually dies in the actual, you know, in the in the I guess it's the work print version, you know, the, that they show to the test, the test screen audience. And he got a chainsaw across his head. You know, that chainsaw dug into his head. And when people saw that, they, they even did a KMB, you know, effect for it. They did a mold and a cast of his head and they actually had the chainsaw cut through his skull. And I guess the test audiences didn't like it. So they reshot the ending where, you know, he's basically just got a fucking paper cut scar from a chainsaw going across his skull. But I'm not one to complain because Benny was the best character in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Like, I enjoyed seeing him on screen more than I enjoyed seeing Leatherface. I hate to say it, but, you know, I was I had somebody to really, truly root for. I didn't want, uh, uh, you know, Kate Hodge or Bill Butler's characters to die. But I was more so rooting for, you know, Ken Foray playing Benny. So... That's number one, man. Two for he got the two for one combo. The first one on the list. Number two is Terry Alexander, who plays John in Day of the Dead, nineteen eighty five. John was John was an interesting character in Day of the Dead because uh, Laurie Carlyle's character Sarah, you know, she kind of comes at his neck and she tells him, you know, you have you and this other guy haven't lifted a finger to help us with our research and to help us with you know getting your hands dirty and, and doing the heavy lifting. And he's got that great monologue where he says that the underground silo they're staying in, you know, they're seeking refuge in. He says it's a great big 14 mile tombstone. And he says a lot of other things in that scene, but that's one of the best lines in the entire movie. And that kind of just, it goes to show that his character, he doesn't give a fuck about any of the research. He doesn't give a shit about what, what Dr. Frankenstein is doing in the lab to the zombies. He just gets paid to fly the helicopter. But at the end of the movie, you know, he, he takes ass whooping. So he, you know, so he doesn't, um, so he doesn't leave his friends. He knocks out uh, Rhodes with a, you know, a fucking jungle punch, a Tarzan punch. He grabs like both his hands, locks them together and knocks Rhodes ass out. And he gets the chance to kill Rhodes. He's got two revolvers to his face, but he, you know, he doesn't step out of character and become what the soldiers are. You know, he's not a he's not a killer of people. He's a killer of zombies. And he's actually pretty cool at it. He's a crack shot. He's in the caves, you know, looking for his friends and he's shooting all types of shit up with the revolver. And he actually brings his friends uh machine guns and shit. So, he's a dope character, man. Shout out to Terry Alexander. He does a lot of uh he does a lot of, you know, uh Q&A panels and a lot of events and stuff like that. So, he's a pretty dope dude. Number 2 is also Jesus. Number 3 is also a two for one combo is Ice Cube, my man Cube, in both Anaconda and Ghost of Mars. Anaconda, he was um he was one of the cameramen. He was part of the expedition with J Lo and uh Carrie Warr and uh, Owen Wilson. Ice Cube actually him playing Danny and Anaconda. I actually thought he was going to die because there was a scene that they you know it was a production still or something that they had i don't know if it was in like a, a fangoria magazine i can't remember where i saw it but the snake is literally wrapped around him while he's reaching for j-lo's hand and when i saw that before seeing the movie i'm like he's this is that's a wrap he's going to die in that scene but what had happened was i think j-lo had a rifle and shot the snake up when it had uh because it had him dead bang he was literally wrapped up in the snake and ice cube it's one of those moments where you're like yep this is a wrap he's about to he's literally about to swallow an ice cube like literally <laughs> i know that joke did not land i'm sorry but let me get off that because that joke didn't just land that was terrible uh in ghost of mars he plays james desolation williams and he's a badass in that so i you know if he would have died in that even though he wasn't the only black person, there was um, Dwayne Whitaker, I think this character's name is, in uh, Ghost of Mars, who plays his brother. Uh, Pam Greer was also in it, but they both die. Ice Cube, not only in Anaconda, got to kill the snake. You know, he hits the snake with a pickaxe, but he gets to kill the Martian leader, Big Daddy Mars, in Ghost of Mars at the end. He gets a hand-to-hand, -hand, you know, rumble scene with him. And it's crazy because Ice Cube has publicly said he does not like Ghost of Mars. He said John Carpenter, like, really let him let people down with the with the special effects and shit like that. And I'm like, 
I think that is one of John Carpenter's best movies, top five movies for me, and one of the most underrated sci-fi horror movies ever made. I love that movie, but you know the, the people that are in it gonna you know they're gonna like what they like. So who am I to to judge that? I know I love the movie, and I know he survived two times again. He survived against this damn snake and Martian, so it don't get any better than that. Number four is a three-parter. You know, it's a three three-point deal over here. Um, Number four is L. Cool J. And L. Cool J is a three-parter because he not only survived in Halloween H2O, he also survived in Deep Blue Sea and Mindhunters. Mindhunters is a good underrated um like crime thriller, whodunit type of thing. And it's 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 really fucking underrated. It's directed by Rennie Harlan. It's a good movie. If anybody hasn't seen it, watch it. Now, Halloween H2O. Uh to survive Michael Myers is not easy, but I feel like Ronnie was in the safe zone because Michael Myers, he, he, he wasn't even really in the way he kind of, Michael Myers kind of had Ronnie to thank for getting him inside the Hillcrest school because Ronnie is the security guard and he's on the phone with his wife, reading his story to his wife and Michael Myers pulls up, but he gets, he's, you know, he, he, uh, ninja sneak attacks his way out, out of the truck out front and ll opens up the gate and michael myers just kind of he looks at him while he walks behind him and he just walks past him and gets into the school and while it was a close encounter you know he 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 survived because michael myers wasn't worried about him he just fucks with him for a little bit you know he's knocking on the window and disappearing he's popping back up at the window and disappearing just doing a little uh, sneaky phantom trick-or-treat shit that michael myers does deep blue sea was more of a you know that was more of a close call for him because the shark literally had him in his mouth like trying to carry him out to sea and you know not even it looked like he didn't even have plans on sharing ll with anybody he just bit him didn't let him go and was literally carrying his man out to sea but l cool j keeping the faith staying true to his character his character's name was preach you know, he took this he took his chain off with his cross on it and he stabs the shark in the eye and he lives. And he gets to blow up the shark, man. I love the fact that these these black survivors get a chance to kill the you know, they don't just survive, they kill the monsters. They get rid of the evil. And he gets to he gets to, you know, shoot the harpoon into the shark. And it actually goes through uh, Thomas Jane's leg, so it's a misfire, but he does get it into the shark. And he hits the, you know, he puts the wire on the cable and blows the fucking shark up. And I remember the audience cheering so loud when he blew that shark up. And it was one of those moments that, you know, it was a moment in, in black history. It damn well should have been. Now, as Gabe in Mindhunters, LL was, he was a red herring because they didn't, they didn't know whether they could trust him or not. And, um... Come to find, you know, there are moments where, you know, at the end, they make it seem like he is the full-blown killer that's been offing everybody that's been setting up the traps, that's been setting them up this whole time, because he's going after the actress, uh, you know, I think her name's Sarah, I can't remember the actress's actual name, but he's going after her, and he looks like he is legit the serial killer, he's beating her ass, he's trying to kill her in cold blood, and then you find out Johnny Lee Miller is the killer, and... No, LL doesn't actually save the day, but, you know, he does survive, you know, and these people were getting murked in crazy ways that were set up and orchestrated for them to die in particular the way that they died. It was it was a really like I said, uh, Mindhunters is an underrated movie. Y'all got to catch that for anybody that hasn't seen it. Number five, uh, probably one of my favorite I mean, it is one of my favorite movies, but this was one of my favorite child actors back in the day. Is Brandon Adams from the People Under Stairs. My man Fool. Fool is, you know, his name did not fit his demeanor whatsoever because not only did this character carry the entire movie, but he was just he 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 was a G. He was a stone cold G. First day of his 13th birthday, he thought it was gonna be unlucky. He ends up in a house of fucking horrors, and he actually made it out. But not only did he make it out. He made it out with um, with a gold coin that he said, that, you know, his grandpa Booker said he could pay the rent to the year 2000. This was in like 91 or 92. Not only did he make it out with a gold coin, he didn't even have to do anything else after that. His ass came back to save Alice and to set the kids free, the people under the stairs. He came back to take care of, the, you know, uh, uh, Everett McGill and Wendy Roby to save Alice and to save those kids. And in doing so, he blew the fucking basement up and blew all that money into the into the ghetto, into the hood, you know, and everybody had money after that. So Fool was 
basically he was one of those people who held more weight than the adult characters in the movie like you got characters like ving rames who was in that movie and he ended up getting killed he wasn't as resourceful fool was very resourceful he's crawling all over the house you know he's in climbing out of cabinets he's in the chimney and shit he's hitting bricks out the wall to let alice free he's a resourceful kid he's like a black indiana jones if he was 13 years old so shout out to brandon adams for that man number six is ving rames who played in uh, Dawn of the Dead 2004 remake. His name was Ken, which was actually a nice, you know, they called him Ken Kenneth. It was actually a nice nod to Ken Foray, who played the black guy in Dawn of the Dead. Now, Ving Rhames is not the token black guy in this movie because Mackay Pfeiffer is also in it. But, you know, Mackay Pfeiffer, if anybody's seen it, you know, he loses his marbles. His girlfriend's pregnant. Uh, his girlfriend's whose name is Luda, of all names. And she's pregnant. And, um... You know, he loses his shit and he actually makes her deliver their daughter who is a fucking zombie and it looks creepy. But when he dies, Ving Rhames is actually still alive. Now, I'm I know the jury's still out on this because at the end, when they landed on that island or when they docked at the island, the zombies all ran towards them and you couldn't really see what I mean. You saw flashes of zombies still running and still attacking, but you don't know. So in my eyes, Ving Rhames survived. You know, he survived and. Unfortunately, if he did, he went on to become Rhodes in Day of the Dead, which I actually just watched the other day. And he and he did come back for Day of the Dead remake. And he played at Captain Rhodes and this, the movie's terrible. But, you know, in Dawn of the Dead, I love Ving Rhames' character because, yeah, he's at the mercy of the asshole security guards. But when he disarms um, Michael Kelly's character and when he gets he gets his gat and then he gets, um, you know, he gets his shotgun he becomes like the character of Ken, for, you know, Ken Furry's character in original Dawn of the Dead. He becomes the alpha dog and he's calling a lot of shots and shit. And one of the best scenes he has in that movie is when he has to kill the character of Andy and he tells him he's sorry. And he literally turns this dude into like a Terrence and Philip doll because he, you know how the Terrence and Philip dolls flap at the mouths and the shit just separates. He blew his the top of his shit, top of his skull off and it just made him look like a Terrence and Philip doll basically. Uh, you know, if you took the top of the head off. So, yeah. Shout out to Ving Rhames for being a badass, man. Love him in that movie. Number seven is Daniel Kaluuya. I hope I said that last name right. From Get Out. He plays Chris in Get Out. This was a movie where they had an alternate ending. And in the alternate ending, I don't think Daniel Kaluuya died. He ended up in jail for, you know, the, you know, the cops automatically saw him. And they're just like, oh, my God, black guy at a white residence. He did it. Everything was his fault. Lock his ass up. But I like the other ending better when Lil Rel showed up and he's like, motherfucker, I'm TSA. We handle shit. I love that he got away because Get Out is one of those movies that really could have ended on a downer on some Night of Living Dead shit. And it's crazy because Jordan Peele actually said he was, in, you know, he was inspired by Night of Living Dead, I think. And it's one of those movies where he he literally it could have ended and still been impactful if, um. You know, Daniel Kaluuya's character, Chris, did not make it out of there. And, you know, they successfully put his eyes into the blind guy or whatever the case, whatever the situation was that was going on in that movie. I haven't even, I haven't watched it in a really long time. But, yeah, he got out of it and he fought. He fought to get out of there, man, because that movie was really tense and it, it has some really uncomfortable moments. You know, where he, when he's asking his girlfriend for the keys and she's taking forever to look for him. I've been in situations like that, not necessarily like that, but when I'm. When I'm waiting on my ride and I'm, you know, I just keep saying, yo, you ready? Like, all right, it's time to go. You ready to go? Like, and I'll just start to, you know, my anxiety will start to kick in. And that's what happened in that scene because it was just really uncomfortable to watch. But, you know, and Daniel Kalu's character, Chris, was a, he was a fighter in that because he decided, yo, I'm not dying. I'm going to fight my way out here. If I got to bash somebody over the head with something, if I got to strangle you and kill you, my ass is getting out of here in one piece and with all my eyes and or both my eyes and all my organs or whatever because you know we we all know the undertones that, that were in that movie so we ain't gonna get too deep into that because i got a lot more to go number eight one of my favorites man keith david from the thing 1982 he played childs childs is that guy um i remember reading a character development sheet that john carpenter had for the thing it was an old character sheet of course it was because the movie was in 82 but um one of the things he said about childs was don't mess and that was just one sentence that he had don't mess. it was i mean it's an incomplete sentence but that's it sums it up because childs doesn't fuck around in that movie to the point where he didn't care if mccready wasn't a fucking uh, alien 
because there's a scene where you know Nalls Nalls character TK Carter comes back and he's like you know I cut McCready loose on the on the line back outside and they're just like well how do we know you know that you're not an alien and he's just like childs you know i'm trying to tell you what's going on so mccready starts knocking at the door and childs basically has the flamethrower ready at the door and windows asks him or windows yeah windows asks him he says childs what if we're wrong about you know about mccready being an alien and he's like well why, why then we're wrong he doesn't give a fuck about really any of these people but basically that just that just went to show you that Charles is a stone cold killer at the end of the day. I mean, he got to burn up the aliens when, or the alien, the thing when it was absorbing the dogs. He's got the axe to the door, getting his Jack Nicholson on when he's trying to kill McCready again. Like, I, there is a lot of shit Childs does in this movie. And he's a, he's a stoner, too. Him and uh, Palmer are, you know, smoking a fat-ass J watching, like, Hollywood Squares or some type of TV show they're watching on VHS. And they're just sitting in the room just chiefing. I love, um... I love that uh, that character. Now, I put him on this list because I don't include the game. And the video game that came out on Xbox, they actually confirmed that Childs died. But that's not in an actual movie. So I'm just going to, you know, Childs is on the list because I'm going by cinema and not video games, basically. Now, number nine, uh, and it almost slipped my mind to put this guy on the list, is uh, Yafet Kodo, who plays Doc in Freddy's Dead. Now, while I did want doc to be in the movie more i like that they made him um the therapist you know he had all the kids in the therapy session he even had maggie lisa zane's character in the therapy session and she was like the head one of the head honchos in there that looked after the kids and took care of them so to have you know for him to be to have her under his tutelage and stuff like that and he you know he was given information about the dream demons he was telling um uh you know Maggie and Tracy how he could control his dreams and he knew why uh when Freddie killed Spencer and Carlos and John Doe he knew that he erased them and that that was the reason he remembered them and nobody else did because he could control his dreams he was a really informative character and you didn't have like black characters like that in the Nightmare on Elm Street movies even though some of them are silly and Freddie's dead is definitely not to be taken seriously he I, I love the character of I love your fat Kodo's character plus he got to beat the shit out of Freddie with a baseball bat because um, he was on that bad boy this and bad boy that so you gotta you gotta love his character for that nobody had beaten Freddie with a baseball bat you know and I don't even think no he wasn't a dream because I, I almost said that he wasn't in a dream when he did that but he was the one that pulled Freddy's some Freddy sweater out of the dream with him and he knew how to get Freddy into the into the real world from the dream realm. He was a very smart character, man, and we haven't gotten a character like him um in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie since for me, honestly. I mean, I don't count Nancy, you know, as, as you know, she's top billing, so whatever. And speaking of chicks in horror, my number 10 um is Brandy miss brandy norwood from i still know what you did last summer she played carla now the thing that always fucked my head up with carla i love brandy in this movie and brandy is in her prime i always had a crush on her back in the day but i was more partial to monica but i always loved brandy moesha and i loved her music all that shit but the thing that always got me about carla even though she survived ben willis and his fisherman hook she didn't even almost die by him half the time she almost died by falling through every fucking glass window on this island you know at this resort at a uh, tower bay island she fell through sky greenhouse skylights she fell through um you know attic windows that led down into the bed into the hotel rooms she you know he ben willis swung his knife at her you know his uh i'm sorry his hook at her and she flies through a glass door like she goes through so much glass in this movie and there's a scene where she falls through the uh the you know the skylight of the greenhouse and she's unscathed she's perfectly fine but the first thing she does is look down at both her tits to make sure they're still intact and i'm just like what a trooper man that's the only thing she's worried about but i love her character yo she you know i feel like a lot of people don't give i still know what you did last summer the credit it deserves i love it as a straightforward sequel there's not all the scooby-doo shit in there that the first one had and i like the first movie too but the second one gave me the goods right then and there it gave me kills straight to the point ben willis is back he's not fucking around he's actually got a hook for a hand this time so it was more along the lines of what the urban legend 
really was like what the character was based on not the you know this wasn't based too much on the novel itself that'll be the reboot when they bring it out for netflix or whatever the hell it is but yeah shout out to brandy because carla is she's not one of she is one of the few uh black females that survived in horror movies but i got another one that is my number 11 and my number 11 is jada pinkett smith Geraldine in demon knight now it took me so long i had completely forgot that Jada Pinkett survived in this movie. She's the only person to survive in this movie. She's the only one that makes it out of that motel um, slash church. Well, it's a motel that was once a church. She's the only one that makes it out alive. And she was the character who was on a work release program and she was a, you know, she was a petty thief. She's got a, she's got a criminal record or whatever, but she has a heart of gold and you know she wants to protect everybody she wants to protect her cat she feels when people turn into demons and when they die in the movie especially when breaker dies right in front of her and he kind of passes on the you know the stars on his hand to her she is the demon knight so to speak when breaker dies and i always wish they would if they did a sequel to it now i'd be cool with it because jada pinkett smith she still looks just as youthful as she did back in the day and i would be down for we don't get a lot of movies with demons nowadays at least the straightforward ones like demon night night of the demons or demons 1985 we don't get movies like that anymore and we don't get uh, characters like geraldine in uh those movies so special shout out to jada pinkett smith man and y'all need to drop me a line man this is all Philly over here. You you are part Philly because your husband is Philly. Tell Will to drop me a line, man, and tell him to respond to my tags on Facebook. Please tell him that for me, please. It will definitely be worth y'all while. Now, number 12 goes to another female, and I'm glad to keep putting them on this list. Kelly Jo Minter, and that's a two-for-one combo because she not only survived in Nightmare on Elm Street 5 when she played Yvonne, she survived in Popcorn, which I just did a review for a couple episodes ago when she played Cheryl. Now, I think the stakes were a little bit higher for her in Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, because she actually had an encounter with Freddy. She falls asleep in the hot tub. Who the fuck does that? First and foremost, I have no idea because I like I don't even fall asleep running water so it's like i'm not gonna fall asleep in water i'm not gonna take a nap i'm not gonna take a bath if i'm tired that shit is too dangerous so she actually falls asleep in the hot tub and she wakes up and she realizes she's in a dream like the uh the fucking diving board turns into like freddie's hand or a claw or something like that and he she actually has an encounter with him he picks her up by her hair while they're in this dirty ass boiler room water so that you know stakes were high for that but she actually ends up being pretty useful because she goes to you know, uh, she goes to the tower and she goes to look for Amanda Kruger and she sets her spirit free. So she pulled her weight in that movie. She actually helped. Uh, she's one of the reasons Alice didn't die. So shout out to Yvonne and, and Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Now, Popcorn, she did survive in that movie, but she didn't really have any encounters with the killer. Uh, it would have been hard for him to impersonate, a, probably impersonate a short black girl. But who knows? He could have gotten away with it. He dressed up as Tina, so who the fuck knows? But yeah, she was also in Popcorn. Definitely an underrated movie. If anybody hasn't seen it, watch the movie, or you can check out my review for it. It's pretty dope. At least I think so. Now, number 13. I'm going to try to spin these as quick as possible because I'm already taking up too much time. Number 13 is another two-for-one combo, and people probably have forgotten about this. Loretta Devine. She survived both urban legend movies as the... the security guard Reese and in the first movie I had to warm up to her because she wasn't you know she was shitting on Jared Leto's character you know being the writer and he's writing articles about um uh you know the murders that happened on campus and she was just she's such a hard ass in the movie but she does end up being the hero because uh or somewhat the hero because she she takes a um she she gets cut across the stomach by Rebecca Gayhart when it's revealed that she's the killer at the end. Spoiler alert! But you know she, she what what it takes for Reese to jump into action is the fact that she's going in Robert England's office, the professor's office, and she slips in a shitload of blood. So she calls the cops and she's like, "Okay, you know you guys you swear to protect and serve, but then you don't you don't give a rat's ass when something really happens." So she gets her gun and she jumps into action. So she gets cut by Rebecca Gayhart in a struggle and she gets shot in the stomach. And when she gets shot in the stomach, she actually shoots Rebecca Gayhart, but she doesn't kill her. And then the chick Natalie 
actually shoots her and she falls out the window but she doesn't even die but you know she dies from crashing through the windshield and going into the war she actually doesn't die because she's at the end of urban legend too but reese nonetheless actually survived to be in urban legends final cut and she was still it, I, I love loretta divine and everything she's in and like i said i had to i had to warm up to her in the first one but the second one she's still kind of on the same shit and i guess it's because she you know it's justified because she's on a different campus and she's like oh my god we got another crazy ass chick telling me that you know there's murders on campus and somebody's out to get me type stuff so she doesn't really believe her but she she is helpful because she lets the girl amy get the security tape so she can watch the murder and all this other shit she but you know reese is still very much active she pops up at the end to save the day and you know, she doesn't get to save the day, but, you know, she draws her gun on uh, Hart Bachner, who ends up being the killer in Urban Legends 2. But, you know, shout out to Loretta Devine, because that is a movie that it was a steal to get her. And it's really it was really unexpected. It still is to see her play, uh, you know, the security guard in there. But she's still such a sweetheart and everything. It's hard to hate her in anything, no matter if she is a hard, whether she's a hard ass or not. Um, number 14. And a lot of people forget that she was in this movie, Rod Digger, 13 Ghosts, 2001 remake. She played Maggie. The uh, She was their nanny. She was the Criticos family's nanny. Now, I don't remember. I, I've watched 13 Ghosts a few times, but I don't remember all that Rod Digger's Maggie character gets to do. I just know she has she has lines that I like in this movie. You know, when she's when she's interacting with the kid, Bobby Criticos, I like the interaction with uh, with those two. And I like the little back and forth she has with Shannon Elizabeth. And I love the line she has where she says, did the lawyer split? You know, she's asking, did the lawyer leave? And the lawyer literally got split in half prior to her saying that by those glass doors. So when she sees him, you know, with her, you know, her line and his death come full circle. So. Yeah, I, but I really can't remember all that she gets to do. I know at some point I thought that she was dead. I can't remember if the one chick that's in it, you know, that's uh, in on the scheme with um, F. Murray Abraham's character, Arthur Criticos. I, I think there's some elaborate evil scheme that the chick has got going on. I think she knocks out Rod Digger's character at some point. I really can't. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I'll probably have to check up on it. I was supposed to do a review of 13 goes with my cousin and i'm pretty sure i pissed her off because i bullshit her on that one so that review is coming people number 15 uh i actually went to the movies to see this when i was a kid and he was he could have easily been a chucking and jiving type of token black guy but i love this actor i feel like he's an underrated black actor in general michael t williamson uh he played dennis in species 2 now dennis is funny as fuck i mean i understood his humor and his jokes when as you know as a kid but the character of dennis just he can't grasp his mind around the fact that he can't get laid to save his life you know they were prohibited from having sex when him and the two other astronauts in, the, in species two came back to earth they were prohibited from having sex i can't remember what the time frame was but everybody's trying to fuck regardless they don't care what the doctor said they don't care if the doctor said listen you will grow alien tentacles out of your dick hole if you fuck from coming you know after fresh off a trip from mars you can't do it but you know he they want to do it anyway now dennis character actually he is immune i think he said he has a rare blood type so he's immune to the infection that the other two astronauts got so not only is he in the clear from the infection but him and um him and um michael madison's character they almost have like this buddy <laughs> this buddy cop relationship as the movie goes on there's actually a shot of them like going under a rope with um with guns in their hands to look for the guy patrick who's fucking everything moving and turning every chicken to um you know uh, alien food because when they when he sleeps with them the babies come out and they come out right away and they kill the woman and the babies grow up instantly so and michael t williamson has a crazy reaction shot to watching his friend patrick blow his head off with a shotgun so i like this dude i like this uh this dude in every movie he's in even in movies he's in like final destination with uh, the final destination which i'm not a fan of a big fan of but he is the one of the best things about the movie so shout out to him 14 is no not 14 jesus christ what am i talking about and why am i counting backwards here 15 16 yeah i'm at 16 jesus christ i'm going haywire here y'all man 
Jesus, man, my brain is scrambled. I've, I don't even think I've done a list this long before. That's why I'm fucking tripping on my numbers right now. But number 16 is in one of the most underrated entries in the entire series is um, Danny Glover, Predator 2, playing Harrigan. Now, Predator 2, while I do say it is the most underrated entry in the series, I don't watch enough of it. I, I never catch it as much as I should. And every time I try to... I don't know what it is. You, you know, I'm, I'm either doing something or I just it's, it's not something will, will require me to not be able to sit down fully for it. Now, with that being said, there are a lot of scenes in Predator 2 that I cannot remember. But I do remember Harrigan has this crazy ass revolver he's got. I can't remember if it's a revolver or just a regular pistol, but his gun is thorough as hell, to say the least. And Harrigan gets the boss shit up at some point in the movie. Um, you know, Gary Busey's character comes in. He's not feeling him. He doesn't like um, he doesn't really like being partnered up with um, Bill Paxton. R.I.P. Shout out to him. But Harrigan is the you know, he's he is a guy who doesn't have the military training or anything of that that measure that Arnold Schwarzenegger's character had but here he is going toe-to-toe -to -toe with this predator you know like he he's not he's just a cop you know he's just a cop now granted he's got to be tough as nails because the way they depicted I think 1997 is the future that this place is you know this is supposed to be time frame for predator 2 I'm not mistaken don't quote me on that um no I just I if I am mistaken somebody correct me on that is what I meant to say Jesus Christ I'm losing it but um, yeah, you got this guy who goes up against the predator so much so that he he basically gets the respect of the fellow predators when they come to get, they, you know, they got to come pick their mans up. You know, Danny Glover should have just he is the originator of whose mans is this? Come get your man and bring him back to the ship because he just got his ass whooped. You know what I'm saying? I mean, not necessarily whooped, but it's like, yo, little old me went up against one of y'all and, you know, I got the respect. I think they threw one of the Predator guns to him or some type of equipment and they just rolled out. They took their man and rolled out. That's respect, man. When you get respect from the Predator, you know you have reached an accomplishment in your life, man. Um, now, number 17, this is a movie that not only people probably forgot about, but people probably forget she was even in it. But not I, because this is actually my favorite one in the series, no matter how cheesy it is, no matter how silly it is, straight B-movie it is. Number 17 is Angela Bassett, Critters 4, when she played Fran. Now, this is another movie I haven't seen in years. I, I look for it all the time on YouTube. They've only got it in like little bits and pieces and not even the entire movie in bits and pieces, just scenes. All I remember... Angela Bassett with the curly shoulder length hair, a yellow wife beater, some like green looking cargos, boots, and ripped. Angela Bassett has always been a physically fit woman, a physically fit, attractive woman, but she is jacked in this movie. And she is badass in this movie. There's a scene where she don't give a fuck about the crites, you know, the eggs. She's She's got like a pipe or something in her hand and she's just sticking, she's stabbing at him to get rid of him. She's a badass in the movie. That's one of the things I do remember about her and the fact that her physique was insane. She looked like she will destroy you in a boxing ring. And I'm not going to say I would want to see Angela Bassett come back in another Critters movie because I'm pretty sure she's forgotten about it. I'm actually going to tag Miss Bassett, I'm going to tag you to this too, so I hope that you, you know, you at least shout me out, or I hope that you remember that you were you are a part of Critters franchise history. It's nothing to be ashamed of because those movies are beloved by a lot of people, man. I love the cheesy horror movies. I can always appreciate them. Number 18, Paige Kennedy in The Meg. He played DJ. Now, DJ was, he was comic relief a bit. But he was like one of the guys he was I'm not I'm not going to say he was an analyst, but he was one of the aquatic researchers that was in the facility. You know, he was in the station um, underwater and he's the guy that, you know, he keeps his cool throughout the movie. But then when shit starts hitting the fan, he starts flipping out and he, he does have a he has a serious moment in there where I kind of felt bad for him or not bad, but sad for him where. You know, it's the scene after they think they've killed the Meg and the Meg literally jumps out of the water, eats the guy DeWalt. And when it eats him, swallows him whole and then bites into the the, the big ass shark that they thought that they killed, 
you know, the, the shark that they thought was the Meg gets eaten by the Meg. And then it flips over the boat and it knocks the whole boat over. Now, he snaps at this point. And before I feel bad for him, I was laughing when I first saw the movie because he's like, this one ate that one. Is another one going to eat the other one? Like, he starts freaking the fuck out. And then he gets serious for a second. And he's like, you know, it killed DeWald. It killed Toshi. He's like, yo, these are my friends, man. And he, you know, I think he says that to to Jason Statham's character. And it just goes to show that this character is not, um, you know, he's he's not shallow. He actually, I love in movies when people acknowledge the fact that, yo, my friends are dead. My friends are dying. Like, are we even going to make it out of this situation? I love when they acknowledge that because it shows that the character has some type of death to it. And it shows that, you know, it's the character's written properly. A lot of people didn't like his character because they're just like, oh, he's chucking and jiving. He's the, you know, the uh, the token black guy shouting out all types of token black guy lines. And it's like, no, at least he was he was smart. You know, he was a part of their crew. He was smart enough to be a part of their crew and call some shots as the character DJ. So shout out to Paige Kennedy for that, man. <sighs> Number 19. Oh, my God. Now, don't don't get me wrong. I have nothing against this man as a person at all. This man is a is a he has made an impact on me as far as like culture goes. But this movie, man, I'm gonna just get right into it. Number 19, Buster Rhymes, Halloween Resurrection, Freddie Harris, Murphy O'Meyer. Now, let me say this. Buster Rhymes is he's such a fucking crazy MC, crazy lyricist, crazy thing for the hip hop culture. He's so wild that I can't even put him in my top five because he deserves so much better than that. So he's one of those people I put on his own planet. Now, loved him in Higher Learning. Loved him in Shaft. Uh, as far as Halloween Resurrection, yes, he did survive. He, was, he wasn't he was the token black guy either. He was in there with uh, Sean Patrick Thomas also who played Rudy. But, but his character... As Freddie Harris is, you know, I, I I don't know what they were thinking. Cast, I know they were trying to up the ante because they probably thought, oh, well, we had superstar hip hop sensation L Cool J and H2O. Let's take it a couple steps further and have hip hop sensation superstar Busta Rhymes in Halloween Resurrection. But while I have nothing against Busta Rhymes at all, I just don't feel like that character fit in the Halloween universe, man. But this is a celebration, so I won't harp on the bad things that are in that movie. Um, he gets the fucking uh, sumo karate kick Michael Myers through a window while he's got um, the cord of a camera strapped to his neck and hangs him while he kicks when he kicks him out the window. And I remember seeing that in the trailer. I didn't know how that scene was going to play out, but I saw that in the trailer and. I was actually hyped for it, man. I was so hyped to see Michael Myers get kicked through a fucking window while Bob Buster Rhymes while, you know, the Halloween theme was playing. I didn't know they were going to take it as far as they did with that entire scene, but it was good to see Buster Rhymes do something. Now, in the really real world, that character would have got, you know, sliced the fuck up. But, you know, it's Buster Rhymes, so they had to, you know, they actually, he actually died in the, the first version of it, but, you know, the test screenings, they, they wanted Buster Rhymes to stay. And, you know, they, so they had his character come back at the end. And if you look close enough, when but before Buster Rhymes is shown knocking down the garage door, what had happened was, um, if you cut, if you look close enough and pause it, um, you can see Ryan Merriman's character of Deckard actually kicking down that, um, that garage door at the end of the movie, but they cut it in a way where you can barely see him and it cuts straight to Buster Rhymes character. So that's what they did. They wrote him back in so that he would survive much like they did Ken Foray in, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre three, but whatever, Buster, you got to check You're a part of Halloween history. It is what it is, man. Big ups to Buster Rhymes. I, you know, I just don't, that is not my favorite movie in the series by a long shot. Now, Number 20 goes to another one of my favorite young boys in a horror movie, Shavar Ross, Friday 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning, Reggie. Reggie the Reckless, man, that young boy, if him and Fool were in a spinoff movie together, it would have been like they would have painted the town red. Now, Shavar Ross was already acting prior to that. He was on different strokes. He was on a couple episodes of different strokes. Uh, one of the more disturbing episodes that I'm not even going to get into. That's a whole nother discussion, but 
him playing Reggie the Reckless could have been, he could have been really annoying because he does, uh, his intro is just, you know, he's like, a he's playing a joke on Tommy and he's like, you scared of rubber spiders? You scared of rubber spiders on strings? And he just could have been that annoying little brother character. And while he, he was a little brother of, um, Miguel A. Nunez character. So he wasn't the token black kid in the movie or black guy by a long by a long shot because Miguel A. Nunez played his brother and Vernon Washington played his 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 grandpa. But um yeah, Shavar Ross he actually gets to hit not Jason, because we know, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen Friday the 13th Part 5. I don't know why you didn't see it. Probably been living under a rock somewhere, which is fine. Everybody likes solitude. But um one of the things he got to do was drive a tractor into fake Jason's stomach. You know, he plows right into him. And one of the things he does that people forget is he runs. You know, when he sees Jason, he runs. Not Jason, but we y'all know what I mean. Y'all know it's Roy Burns at this point, but when he sees him, he runs so much so fast that he leaves Pam's ass behind. Like, and it's kind of fucked up because she grabs his hand and runs with him the entire time up until they get to the ambulance and run into Roy Burns again in the Jason costume, you know, the cosplay. But he runs and he does not look back. He he shouts for Pam at some point, but he does not look back. And Reggie the Reckless is definitely one of the best kid characters in horror movie history. Hands down. Now, uh, Jesus, I'm almost losing track here. I'm almost done. I almost hit the home stretch. Number 21 goes to my man Alvin Alexis, Night of the Demons, 1988. He plays Roger. Roger is also one of those get the fuck out of Dodge and leave the female scream queen right where they stand. This dude, you know, I think it's funny with Alvin Alexis' uh, Roger character because... In the beginning, you know, he they they first show him he's in the car with Stooge and Helen. And, you know, he's all for the joke. You know, he's all for having a good time with his friends. And he actually makes fun of the old man. He's like, yo, Stooge, check out the old fart. And, you know, they're, he, you know, they're shouting shit out to the old man. They're laughing at, um, you know, jokes and shit as the movie goes on. But then when they start fucking around with that, you know, with that, uh, that whole house, uh, demon shit, when they start doing the seance shit, that's when he turns into, uh, you know, he turns into TD Jakes of 1988. And he's just like, yeah, my daddy was a preacher. This is a house of the dead and I'm getting out of here. So his ass, he does what I would probably do, but you know, he had no choice because he couldn't find the gate, but he does what I would probably do, which was sit in the car and just, and just go to sleep. And that's what I would do. Like, listen, if I got to wait for my ride or something like that to come out or the designated driver, whatever case may be, my ass is going to sit in the car, probably more than likely in a back seat and go to sleep. I'm going to just sit down. I don't even think I'd be in whole house to begin with. But one of the things Roger does in this movie, he leaves Judy so many times high and dry in this movie. He just runs off and leaves her ass. But one of the things he does that is one of the most memorable fucking scenes in horror movie history is when Angela, everybody's demon fired at this point. It's just, um, it's just Roger and Judy at this point. And everybody is hot, demon fired, zombified, whatever you want to call it. And they're all walking towards, uh, no, they're not all walking towards it's Sal. It's, uh, Helen and Jay and Angela. And they are all walking slowly towards Judy and towards Roger and Roger just shakes his fucking head like he's looking at he's looking at them closing in on him and he shakes his head and he just he just shouts you won't get me and then he literally he just power ranger dives through the front fucking window man and he just you know he's so in shock that he's alive that he made it but when he dives through that window I'm trying to tell y'all they slow motion and shit is one of the funniest moments in horror movie fucking history i'm telling y'all if anybody hasn't seen night of the demons watch it and keep your eye on roger because not only is he going to survive but he he has what it takes to survive because that man will beat his feet at the drop of a dime shout out to alvin alexis man they just recently dropped a documentary for night of the demons actually that i gotta go back to so that movie definitely one for the books all right so we're getting to the home stretch number 22 this almost didn't make the list, man. Um, 22 goes to Dwayne Martin. Scream 2, Joel. He plays the cameraman, Joel. He plays Gail Weathers. Um, basically, her Kenny replacement is what he is. And 
he's cool, but he he's kind of goofy, but he's cool with it. But then when the murders start to happen, he he's very rational about it because he's like, you know, Gail, I, he's like, I signed up to be a cameraman. I don't want to do faces of death 14. And when he finds Randy's body, you know, when they all find Randy's body, Joel bounces, you know, he calls a cab. He gives Gail all her footage and he's like, listen, yo, I'm out. You know, I'm, I'm not being a part of this shit. But he ends up coming back at the end. Now, I guess, you know, he almost didn't make the list because he he wasn't a red herring nor a target in my eyes. But he he did survive, though. But I guess it's because he left Windsor College in, at some point towards the end of the movie, you know, that he was in the clear because the killer was on the campus and a little bit off the campus. But he got the fuck up out of Dodge. You know, he 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 got right up out of there when the shit started happening. And it's funny because I remember. I remember Dwayne Martin doing, I think he was on, uh, I can't remember what that TV show was called. I think, I want to say it was called Vibe or something like that. But he said he was supposed to come back for Scream 3 and everybody that survived was going to die off. And I was waiting for that, but I never um, never got it. But it's cool because he has a lot of good lines and good humor in Scream 2. So, number 23, as I'm coming to a close, is, and yes, this counts because even though it's a B-movie and it's silly as all hell, it definitely counts because it's a moment in black horror history where we survive. Miguel A. Nunez Jr., Leprechaun 4, yes, Styx. He plays the character Styx. Now, Miguel Nunez Jr., I was surprised he lived in this because technically everybody died in Return to Living Dead. Uh, they all got nuked by the military, and he was a part of that. Um, he died in Shadow Zone prior to that. He played Wiley. Uh, he died in Carnosaur. Uh, he played Moses. But one of the things I love about his character is he's always like a computer analyst or something like that. They always give him something to do. His character, even in the cheesiest horror movies, his character's always smart. They're always giving him some way to be, uh, you know, to be active with whatever group of characters he's around. I love his character. Now, Sticks, Sticks got some of the best humor. The whole movie Leprechaun 4 in space is fucking it's it's funny as hell. It's one in the next to Leprechaun in the Hood is two of my it's one of my favorites. Those two are my favorites in the series because if you got the right ingredients, you know, if you got your vices and your survival pack on deck, you are going to enjoy the shit out of those movies. Uh, part 4 in particular because it's not to be taken seriously. But whoever this writer is, is the humor just lands. I don't know if it was Miguel A. Nunez improv or if it was just the way he was reading these lines off for even a B movie. You know, he got he's got a line early on where he tells one of the soldiers, the guy pit takes a piss on the leprechaun's arm after they blow him up and they think they've killed him. So he's pissing on his arm and this, you know, this whatever the hell it is just goes up into his pee hole. You know, it swims up through it, it goes up through his uh, the, sh the urine stream and it just goes up into his shit. And, you know, he reacts to it. And Sticks kind of looks at him and he's like, yo, man, he's like, uh, you know, I'd give you a round of applause, but I see you already got the clap. Like there are lines like that, man. It makes the character Sticks just memorable for me, even in a B movie. So, you know, plus Miguel Nunez Jr. got to he got to survive to the to the end of the movie. So that's always a plus. So shout out to him for that. He actually needs to be in more horror movies, man. And it's funny that I, I have him on the list because I actually mentioned him in uh being in friday the 13th part five which he actually died in died on the toilet probably cutting one of the best demos that would came out in 1985 hands down but number 24 as i'm starting to come to a close is and i almost forgot about this i had that he was one of the last one of the last two names i added um on this list when i completed it even though i made the list a long time ago it was only 23 names on it but uh 24 goes to tay diggs House on Haunted Hill playing the character of Eddie. Now, Eddie, Tay Diggs is that guy who, you know, I'm not going to say I don't take him seriously because I like I like him in movies where he has serious moments, especially the two best man movies. He's awesome in those. But Tay Diggs is a guy where, you know, I don't expect him to, you know, toe the shitload of guns and have, a, you know, all these tough guy lines. He just makes it work. So he makes it work in House on Haunted Hill. First of all, he's got a he got, he got a little crush and he gets to grab um Ali Larder's ass in the movie. So that's always a plus for him. But Eddie basically I, he does have a badass moment where 
Chris Kattan's character is just not doing anything but getting shit face drunk because he knows everything about the house. He knows the house is alive at this point. And Tay Diggs is just fed up with him at this point. And he's not paying attention to anything uh, Eddie's saying. And Eddie smacks the glass out of his hand. And he shatters the glass when he slaps it out of Chris Kattan's hand. So that's probably the most badass moment Tay Diggs has in House on the Haunted Hill. Plus, he, you know, he lives at the end, him and Ali Larder, but, you know, you could say did he die in it because they they didn't have any way down from the top of that you know that mansion that house on haunted hill they are literally at the top of the house at the end and it's just like yeah okay how do we get down but they did you know if they get down they inherited all those checks for um i guess it's a million dollars that they had so they got money you know they got money somebody probably came and got them down after that uh tate diggs also has a creepy ass scene where he's not actually playing the character of eddie he's playing one of the uh the ghosts in the house who's imitating him and there's some type of effect they do with his eyes and it makes it look really scary and makes his eyes look like kind of like demon like and he jumps into a big ass um a big ass pool of blood in front of ali larder it's a creepy ass scene so that's number 24 now my 25 first of all real quick before i jump into uh my 25th and i wrap this episode up um, some honorable mentions will go to Usher, Raymond, Mr. Raymond, he was in the faculty, he played Gabe, uh, Texas Battle, who was in Wrong Turn 2, he plays Jake, Sanaa Lathan, who was in Alien vs. Predator, and every black person who survived in the first purge, which was definitely a horror movie, don't get it twisted, but those are my honorable mentions. Now, my number 25, I actually can't believe this shit slipped my mind, man, because it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Like it's it's one of um, it, it's a masterpiece. It's, it's one of those movies I put in the same category as something like The Exorcist Three, where the movie's damn near flawless for me, and I could watch it over and over and over and still be just so impressed by how great the movie is. But we did have the token black guy who lived in it, and that token black guy, my number twenty five, last on this list, rightfully so, because I saved one of the best for last. It goes to Morgan Freeman. Seven Detective Somerset. God damn, what was his first name in that movie? Because I didn't write it down. William. Detective William Somerset. That's exactly how Samuel Jackson should have, you know, it should have been like a spinoff with Somerset in his movies. Like it should have just been him narrating, you know, trying to catch these killers and shit. But, you know, Somerset, he he could have very well been a victim of this John Doe killer, but he wasn't. And I love that. Morgan Freeman didn't, he wasn't a, he didn't want anything to do with the case after a while, but I, he, he has all those sleepless nights where he just throws his knife at the dartboard and he just, that's how he keeps himself up. He's got like that pendulum type of thing that rocks back and forth to the point where I think he throws it across the room at some, in some scene in a movie. But, um, he's got some really great scenes, man. And Morgan Freeman got to do shit in this movie. You know, he gets to hunt the killer down at some point when um you know when they get shot at in the apartment building but you know he can't keep up with with detective mills but he, morgan freeman is very active in this movie and not only that but the way him and um you know brad pitt form this alliance and form this friendship almost brotherhood as the movie goes along it's like he knows that mills gets on his nerves and he's you know he's hot shot almost a rookie type of guy but mills is just he's that seasoned veteran he's that cop that or that detective that you know they don't want to be there it's your last couple days before retirement or however much time is left for you know before your retirement but it's like you know he took the time out to say listen i'm going to make the most of this retirement we're going to catch this john doe killer and i'm going to help you partner like i'm going to i'm going to be the best partner that you never wanted you know, and whether you like it or not, I'm here. He even has a scene with Gwyneth Paltrow that's like really, it's a really touching scene because they're talking, you know, she's talking about how she hates the city. She, he is the first person she tells that she's pregnant and her and um, her and Mills are going to have a baby. And he's got that line, you know, that just shows how heartwarming his character can be because he's like, if you decide to not have the baby, don't ever tell him you are pregnant. And then right after that, he's like, but if you do have the baby, you spoil that kid every chance you get. And she kind of like, she, I don't know if she's trying to keep from crying or smiling. I don't know. But the way her reaction just goes to show like, wow, she probably didn't expect him to respond to that. So it was really good to see Morgan Freeman survive in, uh, 
seven especially a movie where people were just dying in really gruesome ways in that movie and it's gruesome the way that is it and i compare it to the exorcist 3 in a way because every all the gore is implied everything is mentioned you know you don't see a lot of gore on screen you might see blood here and there but there's no true scenes of like actual violence physical violence in the movie and i feel like the, that's one of the reasons why seven stands so strong in my book but yeah, man, 25. God damn, 59 minutes and 16, 17 seconds in. It took me long enough. I should have did this a lot quicker. But anybody that rocked out for this episode is definitely appreciated. So in conclusion, people, speaking of episodes, you can catch the episodes and this one on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and Radio Public. Shout out to Anchor. Hopefully they get me on some new platforms. I'm waiting on y'all, man. But shout out to y'all. Being patient, as I always say, and as I keep saying, I'm going to be on y'all ass, man. I might have to send Anchor an email, figure out how I can do that. Because I really need, I need as many platforms as I, poss- as I possibly can. I need these plugs, man. But, you know, good things come to those who wait, like I always say. Um, follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Romero Tudor. Follow the Facebook movie groups, Cinemaniacs. Shout out to the Tudor reviewers. Y'all are rocking strong. I feel like I will be hitting 100 episodes in no time, man, because I'm like full speed ahead. And the other day, I think I did like two or three episodes because I skipped like two or three days or I can't remember. It just felt like I hadn't done an episode in days. So I always try to compensate for missing out. But um, yeah, man, shout out to the listeners. I definitely appreciate the love and the support y'all are showing and have been showing from the rip, man. I can't do this without the listeners without the love without the support without the fans definitely love every single one of y'all individually man every individual listen is so appreciated man can't put it into words any more than that so that being said yours truly Romero Tudor another episode of Tudor Reviews and the can people I'll check y'all on the next one